0: Charlie, you know how to put the pressure on, man. (laughs) Jesse and Doug, every parent in this room is feeling for you right now, (laughs) even if we are dog people. One of the roles of the darshan, as I said before, is to make Torah come to life and apply it to concerns of our own age. And you really did that, Charlie. But you didn't just do it in the way that it was about, you know, your own family's pet ownership prospects, you talked to us about Vladimir Putin. You opened by talking to us about a 13-year-old boy in Ukraine, putting all of our hearts and minds there, and you talked about and reminded us of Putin's stubborn, violent, tyrannical leadership that is like Pharaoh in our own time. Most of us are not in danger of becoming like Pharaoh or Putin, even if we don't want a dog. But I think that the Torah is speaking to us about our own hearts and the ways in which we harden or soften, close or open, to the needs of others, to God, to the still small voice that calls us to our best selves. We all have the capacity for heedlessness, for obdurance, for insensitivity. What are we to learn here about ourselves and our role in making the world more loving, more just? The first thing that Torah seems to be saying to us is that a hard heart has consequences, not only for others, but also for ourselves. People sometimes ask me if there is a Jewish idea like karma, and there actually is. And it shows up here in the first and the last of the 10 plagues, and also in Pharaoh's hardened heart. It's called in Hebrew, midah keneged midah, or measure for measure. Think about the first plague. The Nile turns to blood. The Nile is Egypt's source of life. For seven months of the year, there is no rainfall in Egypt. And what happens is that the Nile floods and that's how the land has um, water for crops to grow. But suddenly, the Nile was flowing with blood. It stank. It was obviously not potable. It will poison all the crops if left that way. Why would that be the first plague of all the possible plagues? Why would the Nile change from being a source of life to a site of death? If you recall, Pharaoh decreed that all of the Hebrew baby boys were to be thrown into the Nile to die. All Egyptians were ordered to snatch up the children of their Hebrew neighbors and drown them in the river. God's plague did not transform a source of life into a site of death. God's plague merely revealed that the Nile had already become a site of death, with corpses at its bottom. The blood was now made visible to all. Pharaoh hardened his own heart before that first plague, and then he went on to harden his own heart four more times. And then, midah keneged midah, if you harden your own heart repeatedly, you taught us this, then your heart will be hardened for you. You will become unable to soften it. If you refuse to change repeatedly, you will become unable to change. What you do has consequences. God's hardening of Pharaoh's heart is a measure for measure for Pharaoh's own self-imposed hardening. And this brings us in the end to the 10th plague. Like the Hebrew baby boys thrown into the river, the firstborn firstborn boys of the Egyptians will die. The Nile's blood then was a warning that the murders of thousands of Hebrew babies was known. They mattered. And there would be consequences if Pharaoh did not relent. And then the last of the 10 plagues, after Pharaoh had hardened his own heart five times, and his heart had been hardened by God four more times, was the brutal and devastating and inescapable consequence. Midah keneged midah, measure for measure. What we do in the world, Torah is trying to say to us, it comes back upon us. So how do we avoid this ever being us, even on a less dramatic or cosmic scale? How do we ensure that we use whatever power we have for good? How do we construct a life that is Pharaoh's opposite? The Torah gives us three more bodily metaphors, like the hardened heart, things that we could pay attention to inside of ourselves to help us be the opposite of Pharaoh. Earlier in this Parsha, Moses is afraid to confront Pharaoh. He doesn't understand how Pharaoh is ever going to listen to him, given that his own people, the Israelites, are not listening to him. And he thinks that they're not listening to him because there's something wrong with his speech, with his lips. But the text tells us that they're actually not listening to him because there's something wrong with them. They are, the Torah tells us, crushed of spirit. Their oppression and their forced labor has been so severe that they cannot find hope. They cannot listen to a message about an alternate future. They can't risk believing that things could change. They need to be built up again in order to have the possibility of participating in their own liberation. And that is why the Nile turning to blood is so important. It's an acknowledgement of their loss, of their trauma, that their children are no more. It's an indication that there is justice in the world, that they're The crimes done to them were not invisible. They were not forgotten. And this is the beginning of restoring their spirits so that they can hear and believe in the promises for their own future. And sometimes this happens in our world, and sometimes it even happens to us, that we become so discouraged that we're inured to messages and signs of hope. We don't want to risk believing and having our hopes dashed. And so we stay cynical. We keep it cool. We sit back and watch. We don't commit ourselves to dream about the way the world could be or to work for that dream. This Parsha teaches us to acknowledge when our spirits feel crushed and find a way to lift ourselves up to heal, to restore our strength and our hope so that we can be participants in the change that the world so desperately needs. So we don't want a hardened heart, and we don't want a crushed spirit. What else? Well, later in Torah, when our people are in the wilderness, they will be called stiff-necked more than once. It means that they're not listening to God. They're being stubborn. They're refusing to change. What does a stiff neck have to do with stubbornness, you might ask? I think intuitively you might sense that we armor our bodies by stiffening our neck and shoulders. We know that that happens. And if you think about it, if you can't turn your neck, you're only looking in the direction you've already decided to go. You're not able to turn your head to the side or look behind you You're not taking in other influences or looking back to where you've come from. This made me think about the Akan people of Ghana who have an important symbol in their culture that's called the Sankofa bird. Maybe you've heard of it? It's a bird that flies forward while looking backward. And it has an egg in its mouth that represents the gems of the past that it's carrying toward the future. If you know much about Torah, you know, or even maybe a little, you know that Moses is repeatedly trying to remind the people where they come from, the journey that they've been on, to help inform them about how they should live in the future. A flexible neck would allow them to look backward as well as forward. In last week's Parsha, it was actually Moses' flexible neck that allowed him to become the leader of his people and the greatest prophet of our people's history. In the famous story of the burning bush, Moses is tending to his flock of sheep in the desert when a bush is on fire. And apparently, bushes would sometimes be on fire in the desert. That wasn't what was amazing. What was amazing was that the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed, meaning that the fire wasn't burning or charring the leaves and the branches of the bush. The Torah specifically tells us that rather than just walking by that bush, Moses turned aside to look. By Yomer Moshe, Asurana, Moses said, I'm going to turn aside and look. A stiff necked person wouldn't have turned their head. A stubborn person would keep on going, wouldn't be swayed off course, wouldn't want to be delayed from their objective. But it was in the turning of his head that Moses observed the bush long enough to see that it wasn't being consumed by the flames and that something extraordinary, something even holy, was happening. And when God saw that Moses had turned aside to look, God called to Moses from within the bush, and Moses said, Hineni, here I am. This flexibility to interrupt his own thoughts and plans and instead stop everything, to turn aside and pay attention to something wondrous happening outside of him was the prerequisite for Moses hearing God's voice and ultimately heeding God's call to return to Egypt to free his people. God is asking us, Torah is teaching us, to keep our necks flexible, to look backward, to remember where we came from and what we learned from our experience, and to take in what's around us, all around us, to be open to wonder, to hear the voices of others, to be willing to find out that we're wrong, to adjust to new conditions, to different opinions, to the needs that are outside of ourselves, to that still small voice that is always trying to get our attention. <clears throat> Finally, later in Torah in Deuteronomy, when Moses is retelling the story of where the Israelites have been and what they've learned in preparation for their entry into the promised land, he pleads with them in Deuteronomy 10:16 to stiffen their necks no more and to circumcise their hearts, to cut away the thick barrier of flesh over their hearts that is preventing them from feeling. Now, this is the final response to Pharaoh's hardened heart. The opposite of a hardened heart is a circumcised heart, a heart that is unguarded. Now, the tool for this circumcision is obviously, thankfully, not a knife. It is intention. It is will. It is courage. According to Torah, it is this softened, exposed, vulnerable heart that makes human beings most receptive to God's call, most attuned to that still small voice, most capable of living a life that is an eloquent response to Pharaoh. An uncrushed spirit, a flexible neck, a circumcised heart. These are the ideals for a Jewish body and a Jewish life, for a human body and a human life that we would heal ourselves from trauma and rouse our spirits from despair, that we would listen and look at the world that needs us for the voices calling to us, for the wonders waiting if we only turn aside to see, that we would repeatedly soften and carve away the hard armor around our hearts to find the courage to be vulnerable and unguarded as we face the world. The God of Torah needs human beings That's what covenant is all about. We have a role to play in taking down the Pharaohs and the Putins of our time. We have a role to play in modeling a different use of power, a different way of life. We have a role to play in using our bodies as vessels, as conduits for freedom, for justice, for healing, for sensitivity, for love. Shabbat shalom.